Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real and honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm CJ, and this week I'm joined by Crystal Chang. Hey there. Stuart Hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was great. And for the first time, Sam Collier. Yo, yo, yo. Oh, oh. oh man. We got, little, <laughs> we got a little competition for the most interesting. Let's do it one. Yeah. one. <laughs> well, uh, today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to talk about how to and how not to partner with local schools. Now, before we jump into that, though, Sam, this is your first time wow. on what? Rethinking Woo-hoo. Youth Ministry. It's my first time. And, uh, and not uh, to podcast, right? Not no, to podcast. definitely not. <laughs> not Which all. is what? So tell us a little bit about what you do, Sam. Well, one, I'm so honored to be here, uh, especially with Stuart Hall. I just want to—he's a legend <laughs> in the youth ministry space. Come on, Stu. Sorry, every time I do it, and Crystal Chang and UCJ, um, <laughs> such a fan of the XP3 brand. Um, I'm the director of city strategy here at Orange. I also have a podcast of my own as called Stuart, called A Greater Story. With Sam Collier. Nationally right. syndicated. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me five years to get that one, Dustin. That's amazing. <laughs> it took a long time. Amazing. We, we try to interview Christian, I guess, celebrities, if you will, or tastemakers or influencers that are living in a greater story in hopes that as people listen in, it will help them uh, connect to their greater story. Mm. And awesome. so we also have a nonprofit that I kind of did first before ministry, which is interesting. The non- in, in the public schools, it was kind of my introduction to ministry in a, yeah. in, in a really weird way, which I think we'll talk more about today. And I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, well, let's let's dive into it just a little bit. And that is one of the reasons why when we were thinking about this episode, we wanted to hear what you had to say about it, because you yeah. do uh, have a background of working in churches and working in public school systems. And so tell me about what you've done uh, in the public schools um, before we jump into really what this episode is all about. Man, sure. I um, Maybe about six or seven years ago, maybe maybe eight years ago, I was in a really dark space, a really dark space where, and this is, I think, inter- so interesting that we're talking about this on this podcast because I was going to church, but I felt like what I was learning wasn't helping me in my life. Mm-hmm. And so church really wasn't making sense to me. I'm like, okay, I hear you, pastor, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sowing my seeds and I'm still broke. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the scriptures are not really making sense. God, I feel like you've given me some dreams. And, you know, let's, if, we, if we can be a little bit more honest, you know, I'm being celibate. I'm doing, you know, all of the things yeah. that you would say you're supposed to do to live a great Christian life. But I felt like I kept running into a brick wall. And um, I remember one night, it was maybe 2 a.m. at my mom's house. You know, I, I just said to God for the first time, I feel like I'm losing Hmm. And it was it was really weird because I'd never said anything like that. And so this idea of losing and winning and all this. And anyway, God just kind of I felt like he talked to me that day and said, well, if you can lose, then you can win. And that's when the scripture started coming alive. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've uh, all the other stuff. Yeah. Regardless, I, I went through a process of understanding the scriptures at a higher level, looking at the scriptures through a new lens as opposed to the theology that I was familiar with. And I just went on a journey of trying to help everyone understand how to win in life because I realized if I'm in this space where I feel like I'm losing, there's probably a ton of people that feel like they're losing. And and really, I was trying to figure out, you know, what's the quickest way to get to people? And I said, well, I got to go to the schools. Hmm. 
But I kind of had that church and state separation issue. Mm -hmm. And so I said, how can I make the message of Jesus mainstream, uh, the John 10, 10 piece? And so that's when the nonprofit No Losing was born. The idea that life's a game. And if it is, you can win. You don't have to lose. But you win by changing your mindset. Long story short, we ended up teaming up with Bernice King. And in about a year, we reached 80,000 kids in the inner city with the program. And And our hope was just to make smart cool. We were trying to figure out, you know, what a win was for a school, for you know, for for the school system, for a principal, and what was the win for, you know, for a young child or for a student. Mm-hmm. And we tried to marry all of that uh, together, and that, that's how it came out. Well, it sounds like and you now f- he's rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, non- <laughs> that nonprofit life is really a no, really no profit thing. Yeah, really, I mean, a ton really, of money yeah. on yeah. the inner city. <laughs> I hear I mean, just kidding. Just yeah, kidding. I, hear, I hear those local they didn't schools. Have much money. Right. I, I, hear I those, spent more than I made. That was a joke. <laughs> I hear the local schools are known for how much money they have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Especially where he was working. Right, right. Well, but but that is amazing. And it sounds like you navigated some of the church and state ministry versus, you know, public school systems uh, th- that line well. And I would love to get into that. But before we get, dive into that, we also have Crystal, who worked in the public school systems. We have Stuart, who is a student pastor and is a coach, right? Yeah, I'm a it, volunteer varsity high school girls basketball coach. I coach girls. Wow. Because they will do what you tell them to do. <laughs> I can't believe a varsity coach is a volunteer position. That's amazing. That's a lot of games and a lot of practices. Well, we can talk about that so, in a minute. But <laughs> we have, I think, the best people around the table to tackle this topic. So let's just go ahead and jump in. So we're talking about how to and how not to partner with local schools. And I guess my first question is, you know, partnering with local schools, is that even is that even possible? Because I think a lot of times we sit uh, in our churches and uh, think, well, that's public schools are off limits. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's almost like a closed country a little bit, it feels like. It's, it's out there, and uh, that's, not, that's not my territory. So is it even possible, maybe the right place to start? Well, I think it's becoming less and less possible. And I see that in, in our youth pastor groups all the time as youth pastors talk about how it used to be more possible to go have lunch with students. It used to be more possible to have a gathering before school. And now schools are sort of uh, kind of locking those opportunities mm-hmm. down. And I have to be honest, as an educator, I'm torn. Because as, as a youth worker, I understand the value of going into public schools. And I understand what it's like to sit at the church and say, I know where our flock is all day and I just want to be there. Yeah. But as an educator, I super get why schools don't want you there. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a lot of schools don't want you there. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. One, one is it's just such religion and schools is just such a touchy subject. Yeah. Yeah. And there are so people, I've heard. <laughs> there are people who are watching a school's every move. And we feel that in churches too, right? Like there Mm -hmm. are people watching for us to fail. That's true with teachers too. That's true with principals too. There are people watching who, who are actively going to make a big deal out of it if someone says something out of turn. And so anytime you invite or someone from a church onto your campus, you're really taking a risk. Mm -hmm. And you're not just taking a risk that you're gonna get an angry email but because the laws are so strict about this, you're taking a risk with your future professional life. Wow. You're, in some cases, betting your livelihood on the fact that this youth pastor is going to behave themselves and going to follow all of your recommendations for what they say and what they don't say. And that can right. be a really scary thing. Right. And to be honest, those of us who've spent a lot of time in schools have honestly been burned by church leaders. Hmm. 
Um, even as a church leader myself, I was burned by church leaders as a local school teacher um, because I would be asked to do things that were literally against the law for me to do. I remember standing in a school bus of kids on the way to a field trip and a church leader said, now uh, your teacher here is going to lead us in prayer. Wow. And I was like, well, I can't do that. That's but now you've put me in a position where I have refused to pray in front of my students. Right. You've embarrassed me. Right. And I will be less likely to partner with you in the future. So I understand the school perspective. I might be a little overly sensitive to yeah. the school perspective of mm-hmm. this is why we don't want uh, church groups on our campus. But that's a valid perspective because there is two sides to this, right? It mm-hmm. is the youth pastor side, uh, and we're trying to reach students, but we also have the educator side who's right there in the middle of it. Yeah, I would echo uh, what Crystal is saying by saying as a local church youth pastor for 13 years, there were way too many. And I, I was a local church youth pastor during the time where most of those abuses happened, mm. mm-hmm. where guys would be invited onto a campus and wind up standing up in the cafeteria and wanting to share the gospel with the oh, entire yeah. school. Oh, good gracious. Uh, you know, giving public invitations at some Bible club or something like that. But at the same time, it doesn't diminish this reality that what I'm interested in as a youth leader is what my students are a part of. Because to be a great youth leader means you have to become, to some degree, a student culturist. What is going on in their world? Right. And school is so much a part of their world mm-hmm. that for us to just ignore and say there's a no trespassing sign there, there is also a giant difference, and this is this is just verbiage that we've already used, but there's yeah. a big difference between going into the public school and serving the public school. There's yeah, a well, giant chasm between the mm-hmm. two things. Uh, there's a difference between being invited to do something and mm-hmm. trying to force your way in to do something. Mm-hmm. And then, and I know we're going to talk about this, but it's also the attitude to which you view uh, whatever you've been invited to do or whatever it is you would love to help with. Are you there to serve or are you there to, do you have an, an, a, an alternate agenda that really isn't your agenda to have because mm-hmm. it's not the place? Mm-hmm. I love what you just said because there's such a difference in serving a local school. Yeah. And in some ways it's why I, I kind of struggle with the title of this podcast being partnering with local schools. Yeah. Partnerships suggest that both sides get something out of it. Right. As a church leader, you shouldn't get something out of it. Mm-hmm. You, you should be there to serve. And that's where you'll gain the most influence. Every time you come in and serve and get nothing out of it, you're gaining trust with that local school. So I, I just think that idea of serving versus showing up to partner with is such a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't think schools have an issue with us helping. I think they have an issue with us trying to get people saved. <laughs> you know, um, right, yeah. and, and I really do think it's that simple because the new model that we've kind of taken on with our organization is now we actually do partner with churches because ironically enough, it is the church that is now funding a lot of what we're able to do in the schools. And the reason I think that that's powerful is because I think a school is okay with you giving them money mm-hmm. to help out with what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. um, and I think they're okay with a church or a youth pastor funding a program that's going to help them accomplish their goals at the end of the day. But I think every, you know everything that Stuart said and Crystal said is just huge that there's a difference between serving 
and, and trying to be served in a sense. Um, because I think if you can go into, like even with us when we started uh, the program, obviously at the time I was a minister, I'm still a minister. And you know, as I said, the whole organization for us was birthed out of John 10, 10. It was mm-hmm. birthed out of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was tempted to go, how do I take the gospel into a school? But the question for me changed to, how do I help a school be everything that they're supposed to be? How do I serve them? What is a win for them? And what happened is my strategy completely changed. And I realized there's a way for me to help them that is a lot different than me trying to do evangelism. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, good. That's great. So Sam, Crystal, Stuart, what keeps us from serving? What holds us back? Is it an attitude thing? Like, I mean, Stuart mentioned that a minute ago, a mindset thing. Is it just a margin thing? Like, I don't have time for to even think about something like that? I would submit that part of us, part of our resistance to seeing the school correctly yeah. is a position of arrogance on the part of the church and youth leaders. What do you mean and by that? And here's what I mean by that. The, we have the monopoly on purpose. The church has a monopoly on purpose. Wow. And so consequently, we look at every other organization and entity and go, we're better than you. To, I don't think we think it or say it out loud, mm. but it's in the way that we function. It's part of the reason why youth leaders, you're listening right now, and you're frustrated by the fact that your kids spend so much time doing school stuff and not as much time doing church stuff because you have the monopoly on purpose and you have the answer to life, mm-hmm. and you actually have the real, the, the real answer to John 10.10. 10. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one thing that we fail to recognize is that a kid, by law, has to be a part of a home, mm-hmm. and a kid, by law, has to attend school. Here's a heads up. We have government officials to make sure you do both. <laughs> Church... Church is a discretionary choice. And so consequently, I think we have a tendency to look at the school and there's some, I think there's, it, it's arrogance and kind of almost some jealousy. It's almost like mm-hmm. we think we should have more influence yes. than we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 And, I, and I think what's happening, I think we are motivated by the wrong scripture when we go into schools. Well, what do you mean? I mm-hmm. think a lot of pastors and youth pastors are motivated by the Great Commission. Yep as opposed to the idea of being light and them knowing us by our love. And so you go in with the understanding, well, God's called me to that, and, and now we're in the schools and we're trying to save people as opposed to, I think that's the difference. When you're yeah. motivated by the Great Commission in a school, and not saying you shouldn't be in your life, but when you're motivated by that, when you enter into a school, your actions look a lot different as opposed to if the, as opposed to if you're motivated by the passage that says, they will know us by our love. That is because such a great distinction. you go in a little different. Mm-hmm. You, go, yes. you know what? How do I love them as opposed to how do I get them? Right. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Well, that's awesome. Crystal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in both and I don't know which one of those comments to respond to. But, well, you so you are the educator here, Crystal. So what, what is your reaction to, yeah. to uh, what Stuart and Sam hear, this perspective? And in many ways, I think you're the plumb line because yeah. it's, we can have a whole lot of theories, uh-huh. but sure. you've been in, in the school. Sure. Well, I've lived in both. And what's funny is I'm thinking back to all the conversations when I was both volunteering at a local church and being in a public school. And I would sit in the teacher workroom and listen to the teachers talk about church leaders. And I would sit in the church volunteer meetings and staff meetings and listen to church leaders talk about the teachers. 
And I and what I could not help but think in those situations is you both want the same thing. Mm-hmm. You you both think that the other side wants something from you, but ultimately you both care a whole lot about helping the kids. And this could be a beautiful partnership no if it's handled well. Yes. And there are sometimes we've seen it handled well and it's incredible. Um, but it's the times where it goes off course that somebody ruins it for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think as, as church leaders, we have such, and I used to say this to the church where I served all the time, we have such a responsibility because the way that we behave when we go, if we're invited into a local school, we should honor that invitation because the way we behave will set up what the school does in the future for other churches. And we'll either pave the way for them to be invited in, or we will basically lay the the bricks in the blockade for them to be kept out. That's good. And wow. so we just need to be incredibly careful with those. Um, but but it doesn't mean we've never seen it done well, right? right? right. <laughs> Obviously, Sam Sam's organization has been such an inspiration to me. The No Losing organization yeah. is unbelievable. The things that you've done to help kids. And what I love is you say, I'm helping the school accomplish their goal. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not helping myself accomplish my think, goal. Yeah, I think that's the key. And, you know, sometimes I think that we think that loving kids with Jesus' name attached to it is more powerful than just loving kids. Right. It's like if I have to say Jesus for the love to mean something. And it's like, no, 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 love is love. And you don't have to run down the hall going, Jesus is why I'm loving you Mm -hmm. to love you. Right. And so I think for us, that was us. I mean, because for me, whether they came to church or whether they didn't come to church, at the end of the day, their future is still uh, depending upon how well they do in school mm-hmm. and how well they do it. They're the same kids that's going home without any food, mm-hmm. whether they mm-hmm. come to my church or not. Right. And so am I going to try to get them to come to my church before I decide to help them get some food or before I try to help them succeed in life? I think, I think Jesus would do, do it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. And kids aren't stupid. There's nobody else showing up to do the things that your organization is doing. And I think when a kid looks back on that in the course of their life when they're older, or if for a high school student, when they look at it right now, they say, why is that person doing that? And they can get to those conclusions of something is motivating them outside just being a good person without us standing on the tables in the cafeteria and declaring the gospel. It really is a great litmus test for who you are as a leader, Mm -hmm. that if there is this thing in you that feels like I'm too busy, I have too many important things to go serve the influencers of your kid, of your students, then maybe you're too busy. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to pump the brakes a little bit on what you're doing programmatically and figure out a way that you can go to your local school and go, what can I do to help? How can I, how can I serve you? And if there's something in you that's like, I just don't have that much, I, I, I just don't have that much time, maybe that's the check that we need to fill. Because the, the thing that Crystal hasn't mentioned is that teachers, educators, uh, faculty, administrators, coaches, they are in an impossible if you think about it, many of them, they're just in an impossible situation because you have to be part educator, mm-hmm. part counselor, part mm-hmm. surrogate parent. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that, you and now an we're even talking about hours. arming them. So yeah. that's a whole nother subject. Um, you work wow. an incredible number of hours. Nobody signs up because of the money right. you get from doing that. Part of the reason you I started volunteering as a coach 
I think people have a tendency to think that coaches make astronomical amounts of money. Do you know what the, <laughs> no, the average stipend How of much a, does your volunteer coaching role pay? Mine? Yeah. I, get, <laughs> I get a t-shirt. Um, but, but people in the education mm-hmm. system, the, an assistant coach averages anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000 a year wow. to coach a sport. If it's helpful, I was a, I was a cheerleading coach. We had 33 games in our season, four practices a week over the course of like 10 weeks. So, I mean, when you add up the hours of that, it was unbelievable on top of the hours spent with kids and parents outside of that and travel. I made $1,300 a year. That's like 17 cents an hour, Crystal. Good it for you. It was around 32 cents an hour. Don't think I didn't do the math. <laughs> That's amazing. Right. Uh, well, go, oh, did I did I cut you off, Crystal? Or well, I mean, the whole point of that just wasn't to complain about the pay, <laughs> but to say that there are people just like you in ministry who absolutely love kids, who are willing to do it for little pay, which often in yeah. ministry we're doing the same thing, yeah. and who wouldn't mind having the support and encouragement of someone else who's a lot like them without any strings attached. That's so good. So I'm picking up on something that you know what Sam was talking about with no losing is you went in and served what the local school's mission was and kind of aligned with that. And then uh, it was going back to what Crystal was just saying and Stuart, you were saying, you said uh, we need to go in and serve the influencers. Now there's a difference, is there not, between serving the influencers and a lot of times what we think about serving the kids. And you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to love on the kids. So what's that difference? Who, who should we really be focusing on in those school systems? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a right to go and s- serve students in a school. I haven't been invited mm-hmm. to do that. I, what I've been invited to do is to serve the coach That's who invited so me in. That's so good. So consequently, what I want to do is whatever our coach needs me to do to help him be successful at what he does. Mm-hmm. And Crystal nailed it. I think we have this some mentality. These people love teenagers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, they, if Crystal didn't love teenagers, she would have quit being a cheerleading <laughs> sponsor. I right. promise you that's true. <laughs> yeah. So consequently, what yeah. can I do? I may have some bandwidth that I can give to, um, to a, you know, in my particular instance, it's, you know, girls varsity basketball. So what can I do to help him? So I'm constantly, you can ask him, I'm constantly going, what can I do to take something off your plate so that you can do what you do really, really well? And sometimes it's so little to yes. make a huge mm-hmm. impact. I mean, I remember thinking, what would it be like to be able to go out to lunch because that's not a thing that you're allowed to do when you're a teacher. Going out to lunch isn't a thing and and no one really brings lunch in. Like it's cafeteria. If you show up and provide lunch for a teacher, you are gold and you gain so much influence. And it's just little stuff like that. Having your students send thank you notes every once in a while, huge impact. Showing up and saying, how can I help uh, in classroom clean out day at the end of the year? Like how can I help at the beginning of the year? How can I help how can I help really is the kind of the question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's such value in it because when you think about it as a church leader, you probably have around an hour with your students each week and each one of their teachers has at least five. And so they have five times the opportunity to say often the same thing that you're saying. What if you invested in some of them and some of them began to say similar things to what you're saying? That's good. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is, and that kind of goes back to the arrogance thing a little bit, Stuart, and the, like, we think we should have more influence than we do, but the truth is we don't. Right. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a teacher or you're a coach, they have they have five or ten right. hours with these students a week. Right. And if to make it even to make it more impactful, when you look at 
who the common influences are in the life of a teenager, coaches and teachers are way high up on the list, just under parents. Mm -hmm. And we as youth leaders, I don't even think you can see us on the list. (laughs) Well, it's a question of, do you care about reaching students or do you care about you reaching students? That's good. Because it is, they are the influencers, Right. right? Right. Shifting gears a little bit. So what are those needs? What opportunities do we have? I mean, you obviously have the teachers, coaches, um, after school programs. And Sam, you might even be able to speak into this based on your work and no losing. How, what did that partnership look like? How did you help them meet needs? Yeah, you know, I think to, to Crystal and Stewart's point, and this is, I'm going backwards, but going backwards to come forward. Yeah. I think we forget sometimes that the school teachers and the coaches and the leaders are the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. They're the gatekeepers. Yeah. They are, they decide what comes in and what comes out. And so I think sometimes, uh, to your point or to your question, we forget that they are the gatekeepers because we just want to help the kids. But we would help the kids more if we understood that they were the gatekeepers and tried to help them with their goals. I'm kind of repeating it, but I say all that to say, if we can walk in going, give me your top 10 goals, what are your top 10 problems? Because if you become an answer to a problem, mm-hmm. oh my, it goes, your influence in that school goes way higher than you just being a youth pastor trying to help out, it, trying to just be seen or, or to have your t-shirt on to reach kids. If you come in and you're constantly the person solving the problems that the school is facing, then you, you essentially move from being a youth leader to being a community organizer mm-hmm. and to a beacon of light and hope in that community. And that's, and that's when I do like the public school breakouts, that's what I say. I'm like, hey, you know, as a youth leader, you should move. Your title should change from being just a regular youth pastor to somebody that's a beacon of hope in the community. That's good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think sometimes we, we limit our ability to influence because we just look at ourselves as, well, I'm just a youth pastor. No, no, no. You have an opportunity right. to change a city mm-hmm. if you yeah. become an answer to a problem. That's it. That's it. So mm-hmm. become a solu- be a, yeah. become a solution to an issue. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean that's that's our claim to fame. Right. That's every school's every school program that I've seen that's national. That's and their is, claim is, to fame. Isn't this mm-hmm. fair too that the that the issues are varied? Like in Sam's case, Sam is attacking Academic, education. Yeah. Academic you know, yeah. making being smart, being be, become cool. Yeah. I mean, it could be to that extreme all the way to uh, they need a place to have their ring ceremony for a state championship. Yes, yes. I mean, it's that simple. And you've got you've got a million millions of dollars facility that just sits there empty most of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's those it's kind of so true. Those kind Schools of ways. Schools need event we, spaces without bleachers. Yes, we have that. Sound systems, video projection, and someone who can run them. Yes, I mean, and those are easy things that we can do uh, without us feeling like. I'm going to have to spend every waking hour at the school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Money. I think they need money. And I say that, I say that loosely, depending on what kind of church you are. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you out there, your church is stacked mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. ton of resources. You're in a wealthy area. And the schools, I mean, they, they, they have just enough budget to do what they need to do for those kids. But if you come in and help Again, becoming an answer to a problem. And maybe you, maybe you just sow a seed. One of the things that we've done is we just partnered with Elevation Church. And they've now, they're now using our program 
um, in one of their, uh, in two of their schools now. So it's two campuses, so on and so forth. And for them, Elevation just came in and they said, we just wanna fund the program. Mm. We just wanna fund it. And I said, well, I think the win-win here for us is us just saying that you sponsored the program. Because one, it, and, and this is, I was gonna say this a little bit, a little bit later or a little earlier. Well, I know the, the common thought is, well, why should, as a youth leader, why should I spend time in a public school if it's not growing my ministry? Yeah. Or uh oh, uh-oh. you know, <laughs> you just hit you just hit the raw nerve. Right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's the felt need. When I sit yeah. down with youth pastors, sometimes I'm looking at them in the face, going, "They're like, I don't know if I need to spend." I'm like, "Why wouldn't you spend time in a public school?" Well, I don't know how it grows my ministry. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. If you just, if you're if you're there, if if you become an answer to a problem. Every student knows who you are, and it will just happen by osmosis. Right. And so one of the things that we've done is we, we went, hey, here's the deal. We'll just say you guys have sponsored it. You be, you've become an, an answer to the problem, and now we don't have that issue of church and state, you know, that separation. But I think sometimes we're, we're really short-sighted in thinking that if we can't bring flyers in for our youth program the next week, that we've missed an opportunity and that this is wasted time. Mm-hmm. And As the a, example this sets for our students when they see us serving with no strings yeah. attached is unreal. I remember a few years into my educational career, I called a local church because all of a sudden the numbers in my Spanish class rose. And I, and I taught more of an advanced class and I had higher numbers in my class than I should have. And I started asking kids, why did you sign up for this class? Mm-hmm. Like, this is more than I expected. And kid after kid after kid after kid said, my church partnered with a local elementary school. Their biggest need was a, uh, a underserved community of kids with limited English proficiency. They desperately needed tutors. And we go into this community twice a week. And I've been tutoring the same kid since kindergarten. And now he is in the fourth grade. And I need my Spanish to get better. And these kids mm, were taking mm. classes that they didn't need to take wow. to serve kids that they didn't have to serve because their church had begun to serve an elementary school and ask that elementary school, how can I help you meet your goals? Mm-hmm. I think we set such a good example for our that's, kids. That's great. Yeah. And not only that, but I just think of from a student's perspective, if you start to see your people from your church in your schools, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that would do to a 16-year-old kid's mind, but like all of a sudden now church feels like a bigger part of my yes. life in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's oh, true or not, but well, like, well, I just, yes. like my it's worlds that- are... I think it normal. I think it normalizes you as a youth leader. Yeah, to be. It's like oh yeah, like when 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 kids at the school where I volunteer see me on campus and I'm just doing what a coach would do. I'm not wearing a youth leader hat. I'm just trying to help you become a better basketball yes. player or help our program become a better program. Yes, and so you actually live this. Yeah, no question, and it's. Yeah. To be honest with you, if there was a way that I could do that most, I would do it. Um, yeah. It's super fun. It, it's incredible. And now, part of the reason why it's incredible in all yeah. transparency is because there aren't any strings attached. Like, I don't bear the weight of a lot of what teachers... and I do get to go in and just serve. But the more that you do it, the more you own it. And to watch our coach turn around and go, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, uh-huh. and... Yes, sir. Whatever you need, we're going to do it. That's that's where to me that's the right. benefit is. And watching your players, and then this is something we haven't even talked about. When you start serving in that regard, uh, at least in my you know 
yeah perspective we start connecting with moms and dads mm-hmm. because moms and dads if they if they care about anything is the fact that they care about their children and watching their children have an incredible educational experience, yes. athletic experience, they get their get their grades are going up. Yes. And, and by they're the way, going parents have even more hours with their kids than than the than the te- than the teachers or coaches. No question. So you're I've I've had more influence with moms and dads through volunteering as a coach than I ever did as a youth leader. Well, there's a I'm getting ready to, a reason. I'm getting ready to go off. That's huge. Uh, but part of it is because <laughs> this sounds awful, but they care about that. They yeah. do. Like right. there's there's I mean, we just did a poll at Orange and a kid's performance in school and that kind of thing was huge. I mean, the percentage was off the charts. Yeah. So if there's a way that we can help that a little bit, um, I, th- I think it just gives us an avenue to the home. Yeah. Well, and the reality is whether it's a parent or a coach or the principal of the school, every time you show up and care about what they care about, yeah. you're earning trust. Yeah. And every time you show up, and, and that's why I think as youth leaders, even though it's tough, it's important we show up at schools as often as we can yep. because it's just earn trust, earn trust, earn trust, earn trust. And then in moments when the school really does need help, um, yep. they'll reach out to you. I and know I, we've seen that I, recently yeah, no in, in light of like school shootings, in light of, hey, we mm-hmm. need extra counselors on campus. I've been on three school campuses in the last couple of weeks with schools that have just reached out to either our church or to our organization and said, we know you, we trust you, we need help. But that doesn't happen the first time you have right. a conversation with them. It's earn trust, earn trust, earn trust, and then you get the invite. Right. Five years ago, CJ, the school where I volunteer, we had a rash of four deaths over the course oh, of several gosh. months. And the principal, after about the third death, uh, it was pretty traumatic. And he asked me to just go sit in the coach's office. And if he needed to send kids to come and talk to somebody, wow. I just want you to stay there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it was that I, I just thought, you know, that's that's the result of what you're talking about. Serve, serve, mm-hmm. serve, serve, serve. It's not why I did it, but you do see every once in a while. Okay, I'm going to trust But it's a, it's a logical byproduct. Yeah. You're yeah. earning influence yeah. every time. Yeah. We saw that here with a local school. There was a, a school not far from our offices where a kid committed suicide. It was incredibly traumatic for the student body, but a local youth pastor had built such a relationship of trust with the school that he opened up his church as essentially a counseling center, and wow. the school agreed to bus students who wanted to go there to his church, which I thought... How is that even possible that <laughs> mm-hmm, that happened? Mm-hmm. But over We're probably years getting them in trouble talking about it. <laughs> right. Notice I'm not saying any of their names. Exactly, me either. But they earned the right, <laughs> right. over over time to do that. Yeah, if you're not, I would say a couple of things. If you're not serving in a local school, it's a missed opportunity mm-hmm. yeah. for your ministry, period, and your influence in that town. If you become an answer to a problem, you won't have to worry about people knowing who you are. It's just going to happen. Um, That's great. And I think if you become an answer to a problem, what happens is is you help fuel the word of mouth. You help give students that are in your ministry an opportunity. It's easier for them to invite their friends when you're not the weird youth pastor nobody knows. When (laughs) you're the guy that led the assembly or the coach of the basketball team or the cheerleading squad, it's easy for them to say, hey, come hang out with Pastor Stu. (laughs) 
Well, it's like coming out with it's that, Came, it's that coming out with Coach Stu. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 as opposed to just that random, yeah, weird guy yes. in that building down the street. You know, that's yes. that's. That's awesome. So I love that, Sam. I love that. So shifting gears, what does that look like for our church as a whole? You know, we're talking just from the youth pastor or the youth leader perspective, but there's a whole lot more people that are part of our churches that could um, be walking with us too. Small group leaders, senior pastors. I mean, there's a, there's, what does this look like on a bigger scale? Yeah. I mean, you got it. You go. Okay. You go. Well, just a quick example for us. We created the program called uh, the No C campaign, all A's and B's, no C's. And so with us, that. we started off at the beginning. Or what? What would you say? Or what? What happens if they get a C? Um, uh, they don't get celebrated at the end of the year. <laughs> hey, so much for love. <laughs> well, for us. But his celebrations came with like Xboxes yeah, and Jordans. Well, so yeah. for us, oh, the nice. idea was, so C's here's get the degrees, concept for us Xboxes. was this. It was it's the inner city. Right. They're coming through really hard right. moments. And so the best lesson that we want to teach them is that average is not good enough That's good. Mm-hmm. for you to get out of your right. for you to get out of where you are. So we want now yeah. we do still celebrate them in a sense, but I I wanted to give them the lesson very early mm-hmm. that yeah. hey if you don't give it everything you have, right. you stay where you are. Right. That's good. You, don't, you can't afford to be average, right. be, to be successful. Good enough isn't good enough. It's not good enough. Yeah. And so uh, we wanted to get them to try harder because we had folks that were getting D's and C's that were excited. You know, I passed. Like, no, they passed you. I mean, just they were excited. I got a D. Yeah. So we, we wanted to raise the morale. And so we, we, we would come in at the beginning of the year in August, do a big assembly and then we come back at the end and celebrate, and nothing changed. So the next year, we said we need to come more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we show up once a month. And so for us, what's great for us is when we partner with local churches, they have small group leaders, they have volunteers that would just love to come mm-hmm. and serve the kids and inspire them. And so th- that's one of the opportunities uh, for us to engage the, whole, you know, the entire church. That's good. Yeah. I like that you mentioned small group leaders, mostly because I am one. <laughs> But as a small group leader, I think we have to start to see the local school as part of our ministry. Mm-hmm. My my job is not room C205 on Sunday afternoons for 30 minutes. Like My job as a small group leader is to care about where my students are all the time. And so that may mean that I can't necessarily go have lunch with them every day, which would be great, but I can't. But I can show up with a box of donuts in the parking lot in the morning and nobody turns you away mm-hmm. with a box of donuts. I can show up Friday night at a football game and not just show up and look bored and stare at my phone, but show up decked out in full-on school gear, be the biggest fan, just just showing that I'm invested in where they spend every day of their life buys influence every single time. Mm, yeah. Y'all, I have sat through some track meets. Mm. You know how long a track meet is? No, it's forever. It is forever. <laughs> right. Six hours to see a kid <laughs> run for three and a half the long minutes. Jump right now. Wow. But now the triple. I think long that's jump? probably why I haven't seen one. Yeah. <laughs> no. It is rough, but you do get it to have all these conversations with yep. the coaches, all yeah. these conversations with the parents. You learn a lot about a parent. Right. <laughs> in the number of hours, hours in the bleaches. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, worth it though. You do that yeah. a few times a year and you get buy-in from parents you yeah. may not have met in your yeah. church parking lot. Yeah. yeah. CJ, I would also encourage the youth leaders that are listening and maybe even to begin to present some things to your your entire staff, especially your programming department. I know that our local church, uh, uh, 
one of the schools that is a primary feeder school into our youth ministry won the football state championship this year. They they celebrated that. They have had the drum lines from different schools come and do an opener. Yeah, I would submit that your local school's theater theater department would love to have the opportunity to have their kids perform a number as an opener that may go along with a series because oh that'd be huge yeah and I don't know if you've been to the local high school theater but some of it is unbelievable (laughs) so you have all these opportunities to and. Part of the reason why you should do that is because you have principals, administrators, faculty, teachers, and coaches that attend your church. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there, and for you to acknowledge, we recognize the work that you're doing. And look how incredible this is. Yeah. I think it just it's endears powerful. you to your community. Yeah, I love Can that. I give one practical way that I think churches have such an opportunity to partner with schools, and we don't do it often? I think one thing local schools would love to offer, and they don't have really the time or the resources to do it is parenting classes. Mm. And as churches, if that's just something that we can offer and allow the schools to say, hey, there's a there's a class at this local church for ninth grade parents, that would be such a service, not only to the school who doesn't have an answer for that always, but to the community. And there are so many resources where we can do that. I mean, we can bring in local counselors to do yeah. that. Um, but there's also a ton of resources at it's just a phase.org, which was part of the, the phase project that we worked on here in Orange, where you could put on a parenting class with very little effort from the church and have huge impact on the community. And the school would see that as a win for sure. That's awesome. What I'm hearing is that I think when sometimes we hear the phrase, we need to partner with schools, it's like, I need to go share Jesus with kids in the public school system. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's so much not even bigger than that, but different. Yes. It's... It's the teachers and it's the it's the faculty and it's the coaches as youth youth leaders and as small group leaders, we need to be serving those people. It's like it's a complete mental shift. Yeah. Because even when you say, you know, if you're talking to your small group leaders, like, hey, we we need to reach out to the local schools. I'm a small group leader too, Crystal, and I hear I need to go eat at a lunch table with a local with a 15 year old kid and that's just not weird which is (laughs) not the case right you know it is really just hey we need to realize that as small group leaders and as youth leaders we have less influence than we think Mm -hmm. and what we need to do is serve those who have more influence than we want to give them credit that's good Mm. Uh, and we have a responsibility to bring light yeah to to our city Mm -hmm. and i think that if we have that motivation It'll help us show up, yeah, in in any way that we can. I yep. love that. Well, as we as we wrap up here, this is a big conversation, and I feel like we put a big responsibility on youth pastors' shoulders and youth leaders' shoulders, and that can feel heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we're just talking about, hey, this might not just be up to you. This might be a church thing, um, but even that feels heavy. Mm-hmm. So where do you suggest? a youth leader, youth worker, start with all of this. Because honestly, as this podcast rolls out, we're getting ready to head into summer here. Right. And so what does that look like to prepare for this next year? What's the, what's the first step a youth leader needs to take? I would start with the teachers and administrators in your congregation. I think that was such a great point, Stuart, that there are people from that school who attend our church and simply sitting down with them and saying, hey, what do you need and how can we help? We will not betray your trust in any way by serving. We're, we really just want to serve. And anytime you have someone inside the school who can vouch for you, 
that you can be trusted, you're way more likely to get invited in. I would definitely start with them. I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, as youth leaders, we all probably have some area of expertise or a past that maybe leans us toward, for me, I was a basketball player. I've coached basketball, so that was an obvious way for me to lean. It would not be good for me to go and say, hey, I want to tutor kids in math because <laughs> right. I, that is not my strong point. <laughs> but I can, I can teach kids how to shoot a basketball and that kind of thing. So what is your area of expertise, and, and, and how can you volunteer to help? Just because I played and coached basketball doesn't mean I demand that I am an assistant coach. <laughs> I, I will sweep the floor. I will clean up the locker room. I will, mm. I will get you Gatorade. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Gatorade. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Love that. Yeah, I think um, uh, an immediate next step or an easy next step is just taking some meetings. You know, write down 10 people you need to go meet with in your congregation mm-hmm. or, at the, you know, show, go to the school. Just show up after school one day, walk around, meet people and ask the question, how can I help? Yeah. And, and really, I, I would say this too: really find out what their goals are. They may not tell you that in the first question. It may be the second question. OK, great. Now, what, you know, what are you guys really trying to accomplish? If you were to just, if, we, if you had a moment to just tell me, dream with me for a second, if you could wave a magic wand and do anything, what could it be that you don't have time to do? Mm-hmm. And really, you know, really spend time with them. Take them out to eat, or coffee at least, <laughs> and, and just discover what they have because uh, I think that's the easiest way to know what to start building towards. And I think what you said, kind of toward the middle of this episode, find out what are their top 10 problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. super practical, too. That's a great, great CJ, when I first started volunteering, where I volunteer, there was a local church youth pastor that had volunteered to video. He, he didn't even have kids from his ministry as a part of the teams. He volunteered to video games, and then he would do a highlight film at the end of the year. Mm. Wow. At no cost. Wow. And it became like the highlight of every season. Right. Um, That's just brilliant, you know, because so many of our schools don't have the capacity to have somebody to do that. And it was just his way to serve. That's awesome. I love that. Well, thank you three for being here today and joining us. I think um, the three of you have really brought a lot of great insight to this conversation. Sam, thank you for joining us for your first episode of the podcast. I'm honored. Welcome, Sam. (laughs) I am honored. (laughs) Jump back, kiss myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what you said, but... (laughs) That was a movie reference. (laughs) Eddie Murphy reference. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep on (laughs) moving. Oh my God. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Uh, you three are a, a blast to have a conversation with. And, uh, and hey, if you are a youth worker or a youth leader uh, who is listening to this and you're doing this well in your community, we would love to hear, hear what you do. How do you partner with your local school? And uh, to, to leave us your thoughts and your comments, you can visit our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. You can find us anywhere by searching XP3 Students. That's uh, the student curriculum that we are all a part of. And you can visit our website, rethinkingym.org, to leave your comments there. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app. While you're there, leave us a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we could do to make this podcast better. 
And finally, if you have a friend or another youth worker or youth pastor who came to mind as you were listening to this episode, consider sharing this episode with them and giving them some of these same ideas. And the best way to share this episode is to send them to our website, rethinkingym.org. Rethinkingym.org. Until next time, thank you for listening.